Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio, live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's Euler Remotes on a Victory Monday, live with you here on SNR. What is up, Mote? You know, I always love the Victory Monday, baby. Looking good, feeling good. Always, man. Put on our Monday's best when it's victory time. Look good, play good, right? Yeah. Play good, pay good. Absolutely. Pay good, live good. Absolutely. Live good, die good? What? Something like that? I thought you just live forever. Okay, we'll stick with that. Yeah, yeah, man. Come on, bro. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. You know the rules. You also know the drill and the rules on oh. Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. That is how you chime in over the next two hours. We're feeling good. It's a victory Monday. The Steelers have won, what, five of their last six games now, yeah. despite a whole laundry list of of reasons not to uh they're still in it they are right now actually i mean hey if the playoffs started this week mozi they'd be in as the sixth seed which is which is <laughs> just pretty incredible when you consider everything they've gone through this year uh and particularly in that game yesterday yes arthur motes i know that the bengals were an 0 10 team now an 0 11 team but i still think to win like they did yesterday on the road with two different quarterbacks, with Kareth White, with Deion Kane, it's not easy to do in the National Football League despite the opponent that they were playing. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's anything negative in terms of their performance against the Bengals. I don't really care about the records either as long as they got the job done. I just always laugh at the media slash fan talk of if the if the season ended today. These guys in the plus, like it's a whole quarter of a season left. Yeah, but look, it's the season ended today. <laughs> but it's a whole quarter left. Like, how do y'all do but that? If it ended today, that that drives me nuts. I'm like, yo, you see, just go and just forget about the, the the last five games that are remaining. We're just gonna talk about if it ended today. It doesn't end today, though. So that's why I'm always like, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit, guys. We still got five games left, and if they don't go out here and execute and win more than they lose in these last five games, none of this matters. So for me, I do like the fact though that they did get the job done. I do like the fact that guys stepped up and made big-time plays when they needed to make them. Guys that were either here for a short span of time or have been here all season, they all came in and contributed. And the thing that really stood out to me the most was how the defense continued to do what they do and that's yep. play at a high level, get a ton of pressure on quarterbacks, and create turnovers. Those are the things that I'm like, hey, that's still consistent. That still carries on regardless of what the offense is doing, regardless of who's hot and who's not. And when you look at the special teams element as well, yeah, you see How about Boz, Jordan Barry too. Jordan Barry, Boswell, the coverage unit. Justin Lane had a big tackle. Yeah, obviously Dangerfield, Benny Snell, all those guys. Uh, Ty, uh, Matt Akatovich, mm -hmm. all these guys went down there and made big time plays. They on forced another teams. fumble. weren't able to recover it, but right? Forced but they still another forced fumble. It. Those are the things that I'm like. That's consistent. That's something that you can hang your hat on. When we look at some of the offense's product, uh, productivity or the lack thereof, <laughs> it's funny. Anytime they score, we're surprised as if, like, hey, that wasn't supposed to happen. We got lucky. When the defense creates turnovers, we're looking like that's what we're expecting. Them to like do. it's like an inevitable. It's like, inevitability. It's only about to happen. Okay, is it going to be yeah. one or is it going to be two? What, how many are we get in this game? 
And that's something that I love because it's consistent. It's something that we can truly hang our hat on, and it doesn't matter the circumstance or the situation. We'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about all that stuff. But come on, Arthur Motes. Oh, here you go, We man. can't bury the lead today. That's not the lead. That, that's the sellout, man. I, I'm a defensive guy. But you know what the lead is today. I, I don't. Defense. That's my lead. Yeah. We can talk about it, though, because I know, I, I know that's what everybody likes to talk about, right? So let's get into it, man. Devlin Duck Hodges comes in. Steelers are losing. Uh, would have been their second offensive possession of, in the, the, third, of, of yes. the third quarter, right? Uh-huh. I, I do want to say, side note, I like the decision by Mike Tomlin and company to at least give Mason the halftime to try and adjust, right, to try and come out, to try and be able to get something different going. Although that had to be something that was in the works, right? Like, like at halftime, they you think they said something to Duck, like, hey, like there's going to be a short leash here. Like, be ready. We could be coming to you. No, I don't think you say that to no? Duck. I think you just know that if you're Duck, you know if you you're the backup, you, you got to be prepared. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if you go in there with the mindset that, hey, we might be pulling Mason, well, you would already have pulled him. Like, I think that's the difference. I think Coach Tomlin knew what he wanted to do in terms of, let me see what he looks like coming out of the half. Mm-hmm. I think Randy Feekner was aware of it, but you don't make your players aware of that situation because then if you're Mason, when you go out there for that first series, you're, like, you're like a dead right, man walking. Right, you already know what's up. And then if you're a duck, you're sitting over here like, all right, come on, man, go ahead and suck real quick, <laughs> and I'm going to hop in. So, like, mentally you just can't operate that way. Like I said, Tomlin knew, Feekner, I'm sure he knew. But other than that, you don't really make the players aware of those type of situations. But if you're Mason and you're a professional at this level, you know if you're playing bad or not. Sure. You know if you, you haven't proved to be competent over the past two games, that that's a reality in this league. You know if you don't have the body of work already in line where we see some players can have bad games because they've played at a high low for so long. Sure. You are going to allow them to keep going. Like if this has been, for example. It didn't matter how bad Ben looked in that Patriots game. You knew he was going to be the guy that next week. He could have looked bad versus the Seahawks. You knew he was going to be the guy the following week because of his body of work. With either of these quarterbacks, they don't have that right now. No, they do not. What they do have, Arthur Motes, maybe a little bit of a, a quarterback controversy. How does this week? How should this week look like in your opinion? Should it be an open competition? Should there be one guy who gets the lion's share of the first team reps? Uh, you do have a full week here. That's the mm-hmm. good news, right? At least it's not a short week right. or anything like that. Uh, from the quarterback standpoint, how do you think this week should be approached? I don't think it's a quarterback controversy. I think you go with Duck. Duck provided the hot hand. Duck provided the spark. You ride with him until he proves otherwise. Mason's confidence isn't what it needs to be. He's been struggling for the past two weeks in terms of reading coverages. The past five interceptions he's had have been due to him throwing the ball where he shouldn't throw it versus certain coverages. Those are critical errors that you can't do. And until he gets that out of his game, these are gonna be, the yeah. turnovers are going to be coming up like that. And then also, when you're looking at the play of the offensive line and how they've been struggling, you know Mason isn't as mobile. So that puts him in compromising situations. We saw with the sacks. We saw with the intentional groundings because he can't escape. At least with Duck, you know he's able to move out of the pocket and ultimately keep from having the really negative play. Yeah. So those are the things I look at in that regard, but I don't think it's a controversy. I think it's clear cut. You go with Duck. If you wanted to play the game in terms of, oh, let's not announce the starter until Friday. Well, that wouldn't surprise me too, just to kind of play that cat and mouse game with Cleveland. But I don't really think it's a cat and mouse game because if you're Cleveland, you're saying we know what Duck, we know what Mason looked like when we played him, right? Uh, Do you see what Sheldon Richardson said today? He said that they hope that it's Mason who starts. And and let's be real, let's be real. If outside of Pittsburgh, everybody feels the same way. 
because Mason hasn't proved anything the past two weeks to make you think otherwise. Whereas yeah. at least you know with Duck, you provide a spark. So if you're Cleveland, no matter what Pittsburgh is saying, you know for a fact Duck's going to be that guy come Sunday. Yeah, you think they're preparing this week Absolutely. for Duck, Absolutely, right? you're preparing yeah. for Duck. Yeah, because you know what Mason is. You know, okay, he's going to struggle for certain coverages, cover two, regular cover two, Tampa cover two. You know those two things right there he struggles with. Those were the direct resort of four of his interceptions last week. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, we saw right here you switch up this coverage down here. He's going to put the ball where he shouldn't put it at, and he can't get away from pressure. Whereas you know with Duck, okay, Duck is mobile. We don't know what Duck knows or doesn't know in terms of coverage recognition, pre-snap sure. plays and stuff like that, sure. but you know the mobility provides some some challenges in that regard. So I think if you're the Browns, you're not going to be fooled by that. But going back to what I'm thinking in terms of the coaches just going ahead and flat out saying that Duck is the guy this week, why have Duck have to play the game of am I going to be the guy, am I not going to be the guy? So you think that they should, like Mike Tomlin press conference tomorrow at noon, you think he should say Devlin Duck Hot? <laughs> he probably would. <laughs> he would say Hodges is our guy going forward? Yeah. Yeah? I think so. And you don't, even if you want to just put he's the guy this week, you can leave it at that. Well, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, that's you true. can simply put it as he's the it guy this week. It doesn't have to be some big overarching right. statement. It can just yeah. be Sunday, Duck's going right. to start. Because people in the media world, fans wanted to be, hey, just say he's the guy for the rest of the season. Well, you said that with Mason as well. Yeah, but the problem is this is a week-to-week business. When you don't have that rep, when you don't have the body of work built up, I can't say that you're going to be the guy the next five games when I don't know what you're going to look like in your second role as a full as a starter going into a game. Right. And it's a divisional opponent. It's not a Chargers team that was struggling at the time. This is a division opponent that just came off of dropping 40 on a team, have won the past three games in a row, and you know they can't wait to get back over here and get at you again. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a totally different situation. So I think you definitely say that Duck's the starter going into this week. Make it simple like that. So now Duck can fully prepare. There's no question marks. There's no, hey, is he going to be the guy? Am I not the guy? Am I practicing good enough? Am I not practicing good enough? Like, just go out there and just learn. Go out there and just do what you're supposed to do. So then that way comes Sunday, you're confident going into that game. That's what I would personally do in this situation. That's why I don't think it's a controversy. Now, if Duck goes out there on Sunday and he struggles, well, now it's a whole other conversation because as much as people were loving the duck and they're quacking, he goes up there and throws two interceptions and they get beat and the offense looks like it looked after he made that 70, what, the 79-yard pass? Uh, or it was a 79 or 75? 79. Yeah, the 70. Yep. After the James the, Washington. Right, yeah. Yep. So if it looks like how the offense looked after, after that, that play. Yeah, post-James Washington. It's going to be the conversation of, oh, put Mason back in or, or move up Pax Lynch or who's a free agent quarterback because we know that's how this game works. Mm-hmm. So that's why for me it's like I'm viewing it the Duck is the guy this week, but it's solely this week. Let's see how he performs in this regard. I like the way you stated it there. And do you think that maybe – because let's be honest here. If Mason was still the guy this Sunday mm-hmm. against Cleveland, right, and the offense comes out in the first quarter, you know, first two drives of the game, maybe first three, four drives of the game, they struggle. You're they making s- the switch again. They stutter. Yeah, And I think – the Steeler crowd there at Heinz Field would have a very thin margin of patience, right? They would be yes. chanting for Duck. They would be screaming for Duck. I wonder if that plays into this, too, because I think one thing we can all agree on, Motsi, is that it's been a, uh, it's been a difficult 10 days for Mason Rudolph. Oh, without a both doubt. On the football, both <laughs> without on, both a doubt. on the football field and away from the football field. And I wonder if some of this is just he needs a reset almost, you know? And if, if we put Mason out there – and things don't go well, and our home fans start to give it to him, and they start questioning, they start calling for du- like, where does Mason go from here? Do you think it, he just needs a week, maybe two weeks, whatever it is, just some time to reset, some time to reevaluate? It's been 
again, hectic for him on the field and off the field. I'm not ready to completely punt the football on Mason Rudolph being an adequate NFL quarterback one day, right. a guy who's only made six starts, seven starts? Seven starts now. But where does Mason go from here? I'm sure you've seen teammates, particularly young teammates, during your time in the NFL who had their struggles early in their tenure. Where does Mason go from here? What does he do from here? What's the best kind of course of action for him over the next week or two? Yeah, so for Mason, this can definitely be a gift for him. And I say this because when you talk about the expectations – they were placed on Mason when he was named yeah. a starter, right? We had that conversation how one day we're like, man, the season's over. The next day, come on. Say, we had hey. people calling us and tweeting yeah. us saying and he's like, it's a first-round grade on this guy. We're ridiculous. Mason can He can Mason be the franchise guy. Yeah. So that expectation was unrealistic. It made it where if he doesn't produce 250, 300 yards, multiple touchdowns, taking shots downfield, he's an underperformer. We talked about that. And we saw – just how that played out for him. Whereas then we saw when Duck came in and we did the comparison. Duck's numbers versus the Chargers versus Mason's numbers versus the Niners. Almost identical. Mason had the better numbers, though. Mm -hmm. But the perception after those two games where Duck is the guy, he has the it factor. That's what they always say, right? The it factor. Couldn't explain it, just the it factor. And we said. I love that. It's oh, mainly the, because team, the team just responds to They Duck. respond to him. And the thing was, we talked about how. When you look at the expectations for Duck, small school guy, undersized, doesn't look the part, but he just plays the game. Yeah, when your expectations are low for somebody, if you only believe he can do a two and he comes up there and does a five, oh, man, you're like, he's great. Whereas if Mason, the expectation is a nine, and he only gives you a five, you're like, oh, this dude sucks. Get him out of there. It's the same thing you and I spent a lot of time talking about Bud Dupree. Absolutely. Right? If Bud, was if Bud a Dupree second, was a second-round draft pick. Come on, man. They, they would have been they would extended him last year, two yeah. years ago. Yeah. But because he was a first-rounder, it takes him having the type of year he's having this year for people to finally say, okay, we like this guy. Because before then, it's like, he's a bust. He sucks. He's a terrible player. And it's like, no. It's just when you have that expectation, it changes things. And that was my biggest thing when I'm when I'm thinking about Mason. And you called that from the get go. And, 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 like guys, we're putting too much on this yeah. guy. We need to we need to reel it back in, not hype it up. Right. And I understand that people want to have that hope. They want something sure. to cling to, and that's understandable. Yes, yeah, understandable. When you lose your franchise Hall of Fame quarterback six quarters into the season. Yeah, and, and I totally understand it. But you have to understand that. You can be optimistic about somebody. You can have high expectations for somebody, but still be cautious. Still be realistic. With it. Be realistic with it. And I think that's what people didn't do and why the Mason situation has played out how it's played out thus far. Now, when I say I think this is good for him, is because the expectations now are going to drastically decrease. That's a good point. Great point. They're going to yeah. drastically decrease because, regardless of, we know, regardless of what they say, what Coach Thomas says Tuesday, we know who's starting on Sunday. It's going to be done. So with that being the case, you know Mason over this next week and maybe the week after that, the expectations for him are low. He, oh, you got benched, man. You don't got the juice no more. You're not a franchise quarter. You're not a first-round grade. You're a bum. You can't win on the road. Right. All these conversations yeah. are being said now. So now with the expectations being lowered now, now you can go out here and just play. Chance to bounce back. Now you can go out here and just execute. Hey, man, I got nothing to lose. When you see Duck play, Duck plays like a guy who has nothing to lose. Yes, like a guy who's does. playing with house money. He certainly He's does. He's like, man, what you going to do, bench me? I've been there before. What you going to do, cut me? me? I've been cut before. Like, it, it's – it's yeah, you it's you see it. Whereas with Mason, when he's out there, he's like, I got to do it the right way. I got to look a certain – I got to talk a certain way. I got to play a certain way. I got to execute a certain way. All these expectations that have been put on him, you can see it wearing on him. 
And those are the things where I'm like, with Mason, this benefits him largely <clears throat> more than he can ever imagine right now. I think so, too. Just because it's going to give him a chance to get that off of him. And for him, he's going to also get opportunity to just reset mentally. These 10 days have been crazy. Crazy. You come off on your, the field and off the field. You come off your worst performance as a professional. Four interceptions on the road, divisional probably, game. Probably to the worst performance of his football career. Yeah. Think let's about be it. He never had a game like that at Oklahoma State. Not at when all. When he was in high school, I'm sure he was slinging it all yes, over the place. No question. So you're coming off of that. You come off the controversy. You come off the, the speculation of did you say the, the, the racial slur or not. All of these things that have transpired. Mm-hmm. And then you coming out there and you have an interception in the red zone. You're not having the game that you would like to have, and then you get pulled. It's like, man, can it get any worse? No. So for you, it's like, man, relax. When you go out here to practice this week, play like you a guy that has nothing to lose. I've been in that situation personally multiple times throughout my career. Been the starter. Got yanked. Come back to me. Ball out. Get the contract. Oh, you're the starter. Now you're not going to start. We want to rotate you. It's a part of the game, man. It's all about how you respond to these moments, though. And that's any quarterback can tell you, anybody who's had success in this game will tell you, you're going to face times like this where, hey, man, you might not have got yanked up the starting role, but you might not be the feature guy this week because right. they're not believing in you as much. It's about how you respond to it, though. And for Mason, we're going to get to see how he responds. We're also going to get to see how Duck responds. It's a great opportunity for him, a guy who, like you said, nobody believed in him. He didn't get that opportunity. Yeah. But now he's going to get his chance. You show one time versus the charges what you could do. It's going to be a very different environment come th- uh, come Sunday. How are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond when teams are preparing for you fully? Because even that Chargers game, right, it was still the speculation was, is Mason going to clear the right. protocol? Right, could he clear protocol? Because if he still. did clear. And he practiced that week a right. little bit, I so think, too, yeah. He practiced the whole week. Remember, That's he just right. wasn't taking starter reps. But That's if right. he was going to be cleared, he could have realistically played. So the Chargers was uncertainty with that. The Browns, they're like, man, it's no uncertainty. We know who we're going to see on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We know, barring barring getting hurt in practice, right? we know he's going to be the guy come Sunday. So, with that regard, it's going to see, hey, all right, how you prepare? How are you going to handle that expectation now? Because, like we said with Mason, he looked good when he came in versus the Seahawks. Then we saw when teams had a chance to prepare for him, what it mm-hmm. looked like. Mm-hmm. Same concept here, man. Certainly a lot of moving parts. Yes, indeed. A lot of moving parts. There was a quote. Post game, Arthur mm-hmm. notes from one of the Steelers' most prominent members of the defense. Ooh. That that really makes me think that they know it is going to be Devlin uh, against the Browns on Sunday. We will get into that when we return, and also an ode to Mike Tomlin. Uh, this guy deserves some credit, and we'll give it to him when we return on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. It's Euler Remotes inside the Electric Factory on a Victory Monday. You victory. are listening. To Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, I love a little, you know, for lack of a better term, controversy. Right, I love a, a cloudy situation. Maybe that's Ooh. the better. I, I love question marks. I love doubt. I you love, do. I, and I love the debate that comes with them. You do? So I get everything with what you're saying about Coach Tomlin coming out tomorrow and saying Duck's our guy this week. He's going to take all the reps with the number ones. He's going to start against the Browns on Sunday. Against those brownies. But for the business that we're in, I hope we don't get an answer until, like, Sunday morning because, you know, the longer it lingers, the more it drums up the interest of Steeler Nation, the more it gives us something to kick around and debate. I like the 
like I said, kind of the cloudy, the unknown. You know what I mean? Maybe that's just that's it's, the perfect it's, it's word. It's good for business. The unknown is good for business. The debatables are always good for business. Always good for business. I told you I haven't fully converted to the media yet. All right, but you're I'm, working I, on it. You're I'm a work there. in progress, man. I told my wife I was like, hey, babe. I think this is good that it's a, a, a quote-unquote controversy because at least people are going to want to talk about it. She was like, is it really? I'm like, if you're asking me as, like, the football player, I don't think it is. But right. from the media standpoint, yes, yes I guess. <laughs> the story is always good for business. Yes. The, I'm, I'm learning. I'm the, learning, And man. the unknown right now is a story. Uh, but I think if you look between the lines, if you read between the lines, right, kind of what you were alluding to there a little bit in the last segment. Mm-hmm. It might not be so much of an unknown. It might be more just – what's the word I'm looking for? It might be more just, um, I don't know, standard operating procedure at mm-hmm. this point. Maybe that's the phrase that I'll go with. Uh, but particularly post-game yesterday, right? I read this this morning, and my you know, I have my bunny ears. I know it's Thanksgiving, not <laughs> Easter coming up here. But my, my ears just shot right up when I read this this morning. And it was a quote from Bud Dupree. Mm, post game, master Bud Dupree. Yeah, right. So this isn't a quote coming from you know the forty seventh man on the roster. This is nice. a quote coming from Bud Dupree here, post game yesterday, right? When asked about the performance of one Devlin Duck Hodges, Bud Dupree said, and I quote, "Man, Duck is killing us at practice. That's why I mess with him all the time." Every time we're at practice, he comes straight at me, looking me in my eyes, telling me he's going to do something extracurricular. <laughs> and, he, and he does, though. He's going to do something extracurricular. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and he does, though. We really can't contain him, but we try our best, but it just gives him that much more spark. Arthur Motes, when I read that. Wow. Uh I, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that, that at least on the defensive side of the football, they uh, if again, if you read between the lines, they think Duck should be the guy, or maybe they're just they're preparing for Duck to be the guy. Yeah, well, that's I, a pretty that's that, a, that's that a pretty juicy quote there from Bud Dupree. It is, and you have to think about how well this defense has been playing too. So oh. if he feels that way, that's definitely a good sign. Now the thing that I do like is I trust the defense's evaluation of Duck just because they see him a lot more because the practice because the practice the absolutely. Yeah. So you. We tell people, um, let's see, who was it? James Conner. It was another player before. Oh, Martavis. Mm-hmm. When he first was coming out. Okay. And he was doing a little practice squad. Well, not he was on the practice squad, but he was doing the practice reps, going against or scout team reps versus right, us. Right, right. Some of the stuff he would do, we're like, we don't have a guy on this team that could cover him. And we knew, like, then. So then when we started seeing him do it in the games, we're like, thank you for justifying us because we were <laughs> feeling feel bad. Better yes. <laughs> it's like if you're dogging us like this and you don't do that in the game, that's not a good look for us. <laughs> so we definitely appreciated him doing it in the game. So I'm sure that he feels the same way when you watch Duck and you're like, he likes to practice. All right, hey, do it in the game, man. Otherwise, I'm going to feel some type of way. Right. Yeah. And And – the belief that, you know, hey, we've seen this guy do it against us in practice. We know he can do it in a game. I, right. I think that's a real thing. That's a tangible thing for this defense. And as you mentioned, with the way that they've been playing, they just want a little help. You know, <laughs> one, uh, what, one touchdown now by the offense in four straight games. Yeah, and countless turnovers by the offense as well. And yet they've still managed to win three of those four games, five of their last six. Hey, man. What which you're saying? They don't ask how. They ask how many. Talk about it. I'm going to talk about it because yeah. the Steelers this season, Arthur What about Mose? the Steelers this season, Wesley Euler? 
they lost, and I'm going to go back, right? I'm going to go back to when the season, when the calendar really turned in March, right, at the mm-hmm. owners' meetings, when which really the official beginning of the new NFL Correct. season. Uh, they lost, I think you could argue, their best assistant coach in Mike Munchak. I don't even know if a lot of people would argue that. I think most people would agree with that. You lose Mike Munchak to Denver. You have Daryl Drake tragically pass away at training camp. Mm-hmm. Not during tra- – at training camp. At camp. Uh, your leading receiver, arguably the best receiver in all of football, gone from last year. Mm. Your running back, who had been arguably the MVP of your offense for two, three, four straight years, was a lingering issue last year, officially gone this year. Mm. Your Hall of Fame quarterback goes on IR six quarters into the friggin' season. Mm. You start 0-3. Your Pro Bowl running back's been hurt most of the year. You've lost who, at the time, we were all saying had been the best player on the defense, certainly on the defensive line, and Stephon Tuitt. Mm. You've had a litany of other injuries to to Juju Smith-Schuster, to James Washington, to Deontay Johnson, to Vance McDonald, to Xavier Grimble, to guys along the offensive line. You've had suspensions. To Marquise Pouncey. Mm. I should say suspension, not plural. Singular. Don't don't you put that that bad juju on that man. Anything I'm forgetting? Because I'm sure I probably am. Oh, man, let's think about it. Jeez. I mean, you I know. Sean Davis injury. Touched on, yeah. <laughs> did we, I would say, do we, did we include Sean Davis? Another starter on defense. Xavier oh. Grimble, he was a starter, too, at the beginning of the year. The number two tight end, gone. Oh, and how about this? The guy that you brought in to kind of offset. Oh, Moncrief. Yes, yes. to offset the loss yeah. of of Antonio Brown. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just say things didn't quite go according to plan there. Correct. Despite all that. Currently at the sixth seed in the AFC in the playoffs, having won five of their last six games, uh, just a remarkable job by by Mike Tomlin and company this season. I we talk a lot about how Coach Tomlin never loses a team, right? Even when what? They, you say that again, Coach Tomlin never loses a team. Wow, what? When did that? No, wow. I think some people are just starting to realize this. Huh. The the zero and four, okay. the zero and four start huh. in what 2013 huh. wasn't enough to show huh. people. Okay, huh? Interesting because I man, it was a lot of times I kept hearing he lost the locker room. He doesn't have control of the team. Mm-hmm. The guys don't want to play for him. Mm-hmm. The game has passed him by. That's the one. The game has passed him by. He's like, what were they, they compared him to the uh, what was the coach for the Penguins a couple years ago. They just uh, they, Dan Bowsman. Yes, they was like, yo, it's great, dude, love him. One championship, but the game passed him by. He had to make the move. It worked out for him. I'm like, yeah, that was. How many examples are we going to see if they making a switch during season and they going to win a championship? That's one in how many? The game has passed him by. Game That's what they were saying. The game has passed him by. Yeah, all he's done is won six of his last eight, despite no Big Ben, despite. A very limited James Conner, despite injuries to Juju and, and absence on the offensive line. And, oh, yeah, the offense only scoring one touchdown in each of their last four games. In fact, no, no, no. Not only has the offense only scored one touchdown in, in the last, what, four games? How many points have they scored on themselves with the safeties and the interceptions mm-hmm. or, or the safeties and the fumble for a touchdown? Mm-hmm. Just think about that. Or just the amount of times that the offense turned the ball over inside their own 30-yard line. Putting the other team in a fantastic like starting, shout out to the Miami starting, Dolphins starting in field goal shout position. out to the Miami Dolphins two weeks I mean two back to back possessions yep. hey you want to score you get the ball on the twenty you get the ball on the ten yep wow yep I'm just I'm just glad that you know 
you're coming around. N- n- I-, I will oh, say not, not you. Me. Not you. I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna put okay. it at you. I'm okay. not gonna, that's not directed to you. You're right. You're right. You're a good guy. You're on the good team. Thank you. You mean you as in as in you people? You media guys. In the Twitter in the Twitter sphere. You Twitter versus is. You 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 you. Some of the fanaticals. Oh, Bishop chimes in here on Twitter. Uh, Rosie Nix as well, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Forgot Rosie. Yeah, Mr. Full 5 on IR now. You're right. 100%. Wow. Whew. But it's just crazy to think that, man, how he's been able to talk about Coach Tom, how he's been able to maneuver mm-hmm. and keep the guys motivated and get the best out of these guys week in, week out. Winning even, games with even, two quarterbacks. And even as much as we talk about how great this defense has played, but they've had their issues as well. When you think about the the – Mark Barron hurt. Vince Williams hurt. They rotating in. Who's going to be the guy? Who's not? Who's Stephon healthy? Stephon it out for the year. Uh, St- uh, Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson Joe and Hayden. Joe Hayden dealing they, with they, Yeah, absolutely. So multiple guys have had to step up. Even Ryan Swisser. We didn't even talk about Swisser yeah. on offense. He's another. Because I was like, when you said Rose, I'm like, he went on IR with somebody else, and it was Switzer. Yep. And we see the impact in terms of just securing the catch in a return game. We see what that's like. So when you just factor in all of these equations, all these variables – Coach Tomlin, though, consistently keeps those guys ready to play. Home, away, no matter how big the game is. They haven't had a game outside of the first versus New England where they look like they just went out there and laid an egg. Where they looked like a deer in headlights. Right. That yeah. that hasn't been the case. And that's the thing that I'm most impressed with with Coach Tomlin. Because, I mean, let's be real. People wanted his head this offseason. People wanted oh, no his head doubt. when they started out, when they were struggling at the beginning of the season. No doubt. They wanted his head. And we were still in here just, hey, guys, give him some time. Trust me, he got this. He got this. And now you're seeing it. There's you're a, seeing him ring, roll, yep. win, win, yeah. win. It doesn't matter what it looks like, just winning. Mm-hmm. They don't ask out. Put the respect on it, man. They ask how many. Just got to put the respect on it, man. Six of the last eight, despite only one offensive touchdown in the last four games, despite no Ben, no Tuit, no Connor, no Juju, and, no Knicks. And we're not even done. Let's, let's go a little further than this, though. Not only has he been able to motivate the guys, not only has he been able to maneuver through these situations, the injuries, obviously the passing to Coach Drake, but he's also been able to block out that outside noise because, let's be real. That's true. <clears throat> for a while, people were calling for Duck to take over for Mason. He understood that, hey, at the time, Mason needed to be the guy, and Mason maneuvered to get those guys wins. But then he also knew that, hey, this past game, Mason's struggling. We need to make that switch. Go with Duck. Talk about having your finger on the pulse of a team. No question. But then I'll take it a step further. What was the whole talk about the receivers that they needed to bring in this week? Yeah, that's true. Terrell Pryor. Des Bryant. In. Bring this guy Martavis in. Martavis Bryant. Bring this guy in. And Anybody said, else with the last name Bryant? And they said, and they said, Deion Kane. Hell, why would you sign? What are you talking about? What are you doing? And what does he do? He goes in there and provides a huge splash. The one catch for 35 yards was magnificent, but then he also draws a huge P.I. Yeah. They flipped the field as well. Kareth mm-hmm. White. White, another one. I'll take a little one on the chin on this one. <clears throat> Not Kareth White specifically, but you know me, like four or five weeks ago, I was yeah. pounding the table for you Jay Ajayi and yeah. CJ Anderson. But, yeah, uh, uh, again. <laughs> nameless, we saw the splash he provided. Nameless gray faces. And that's the thing that I look at the most because it's not easy. The human nature, the human element of this thing yeah. can creep in where you're like, man, people keep saying it. Oh, man, should I consider it? Is this the right move going with a younger guy who's unproven and doesn't have the numbers versus the name of a Dez, of a Terrell Pryor, of a Martavis Pryor. The fans would have loved it bringing in a guy They like would have. Would they have had the same productivity? Probably not because it's tough to go from not playing football to coming in there and playing however many snaps Dion played, however many snaps Kareth played. Mm-hmm. That's tough to do. Mm-hmm. But because those guys had been practicing, they had been preparing, 
in practice like settings in football like settings it allotted them the preparation they needed to go out there and have an impact on Sunday and for me I look at coach Tomlin as you have to truly believe in your method you have to truly believe yes. in who you are without a doubt to make these type of moves because this isn't like you're playing for Jacksonville where it's not national media associated with everything you do. It's not like you're playing in Tampa where the expectations are nowhere near this. It's not Arizona. No. Here in Pittsburgh, even think about this. Regardless of everything that happened, people were still talking about how Coach Thomas should be fired after they lost Ben six quarters into the season. A guy who hasn't had a losing record in a Baker's dozen years. They were still calling for it. Still calling for it. So the fact that he's been able to trust his judgment, stay the course, and have these guys in a position where right now they are seated, or they are slated to be in the playoffs. Say the line. They, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. Say I'm not, it I'm, if the playoffs I'm, started today. I'm not saying that. As of right now, they are in the playoffs, <laughs> and this thing will continue to pursue. But just to see how he's been able to do that and string off these wins. And yeah. we always talk about every year, what does Coach Tomlin do with this team? Every year. They get, they get five, six, seven in a row. Faithfully, faithfully, this is what they do. They go on these type of runs. And he always talks about how they're a group always on the rise. What they do in September, it should be their worst. Mm-hmm. As October, November, December hits, they got to get – they start playing a lot better. Find new excuses, right? No question. You can't have the same – Find new issues. Sorry. Find new issues, absolutely. And you're seeing that with this team. That's why for me, like I said, man, I'm glad you came in here and gave them the, 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 the tip of oh, the cap. Absolutely. You know I'm a Tomlin. I'm a, I'm a Tomlin gasser. I'm, I'm a believer in him. <laughs> All my you mean that in a good way? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. not pouring gas on him. No, no, no. Like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a Tomlin enthusiast. There we go. Let me use the the vernacular that you know is probably <laughs> <laughs> known more globally. Yeah. On Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Uh, when we come back here, we gotta talk. A lot of more things we gotta get into. I mean, we gotta I, give some props to the defense. Well, no, no, you don't want some defense. You want, let's take man to have ten. He's doing what he couldn't be. He's doing what them guys. I want to talk defense. We'll talk defense when we return inside the electric. Oh, only the reason why we're winning games, but all right, that's cool. And a, a a certain guy in particular who I think is really starting to emerge at the forefront of the defensive player of the year conversation. We'll give him some props when we return as well. Big guess about who that could be. Huh. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The Pittsburgh Steelers defense... Oh, man, they have continued to just completely flip the script from where they were at this point last year. Uh, the additions that they have made during the offseason and during the season have just been godsends, uh, home runs, knocking it out of the park. Uh, our buddy Thrash Metal Guy on Twitter pointed out Shout to out us. Shout out to Thrash. Yeah, and he said, he said, I was telling Thrash Metal Dad yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, the two guys who weren't on the team last year, Minka. Well, there was a, there's a few guys. Obviously, Steven Correct, Nelson yeah. wasn't on the team last year. Mark Barron, but Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush. Those I wasn't two on the guys. Team last year either, huh? You weren't. Oh, you right. Last on. time I checked, I mean, yeah. I wasn't on the team last year either. Okay, cool. As long as we're not alone, it makes you feel any better. Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush. 
the safety acquired. And the craziest part about this, they didn't even get Minka into the fold until, what, three weeks into the yeah. season? Uh, between those two guys, Minka and Devin, 15 turnovers between those two this year. That's as many as the Steelers had on defense all of last season. Uh, Moats, I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not telling the people anything that we don't know. Turnovers, 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 and then more turnovers. That was the only thing that the defense talked about from the end of last season all the way through minicamp and OTAs and training camp and, and preseason and everything. You talk to anybody on the defense, it was turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. We've got to create more splash. We've got to put a mantra on taking the ball away. They have continued to do that, Motsi, and it is it is – possibly the biggest reason why they continue to win football games despite some some putrid outputs from the offense yeah without a doubt man when you're able to get those turnovers not only does it keep you from allowing points right because we know that's the obvious element of it sure but it also helps your offense in terms of being in field position where one first down you could kick a field goal we saw that directly yesterday mm -hmm. those are the type of things that help you when you have a struggling element of your game, in particular the offense. You have to be able to control field position. You have to be able to put those guys in as most advantageous situations as possible. Right. So anytime you're creating those turnovers, you know, okay, more than likely once you create a turnover, you're either getting the ball on a short field or you're close to midfield. Those are the things that help your offense in those trying times. Those are the things that can help you overcome some of those situations. And that's what we're seeing from this defense. They're finding ways week in and week out to just create that splash that we love to talk about. And they're doing it in a variety of ways. Yes. I mean, it's not just strip sacks. It's not just interceptions. It's not just, oh, we're going to force fumble on a run. No, it's like, like I could be downfield and they're still punching at the ball. I, they remind me so much when I watch them of the Patriots defense in terms of how opportunistic hmm. they are around the ball, how ball aware this group is. Right, right. And that's, a good that's, way to put it. and that's a sign of uh, uh, not only great coaching, but players that are buying into it and understanding the significance of being ball aware. You think about Peanut Tillman. Like, it wasn't that he was just this great cover guy or he was this great tackler. Yeah. No, he was going to have some mistakes, but the one thing he was going to do was attack the ball. Guys that attack the ball – those are the type of players that you want on defense because that leads you to creating more turnovers and ultimately helps your team as a whole. And that's how they've gotten to these six wins. It's a direct correlation to that. It really is, particularly when you look, right? All right, Motsi, yesterday the Steelers scored 16 points. I'm not good at math, but that's less than 20. Ah, yes. Thursday against the Browns, seven points. The week before, against the, Ra against the Rams, 17 points. The week before that, against the Colts, 26 points, but... Seven of those were the uh -huh. Minka Fitzpatrick pick six. Absolutely. So, And then if you go back to the Chargers game as well, too, they scored 24 points, but uh, Devin, Bush Devin Bush had one yeah. of those touch. So in their last one, two, three, four, five, six games here, the offense has only scored 20 or more points one time. One time. Yet they're still finding ways to win game. It's It sounds crazy, but they are relying on their defense to go out there and win games. I, I, I don't know how much, like, I, I know during your time here in Pittsburgh, you know, Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger and Lev Bell. Yeah, we're in the offense era. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> it, it, scoring points wasn't necessarily a, a struggle or an issue when, when you were part of the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> but I know when you were in Buffalo, you were a part of, oh, you yes. were a part, because you and I have talked yes. about this before on air and off air. You were a part of a lot of teams that were very stout defensively in mm -hmm. Buffalo. You just couldn't get anything going on offense. What, like, what is that dynamic like uh, as a defense when you know, 
all right, guys, it's not just enough for us to go out here and stop the other team from putting up a bunch of points. Like, we have to make plays as well. The the A victory for our team relies on us doing more Correct. than just stopping the other team. Yeah, man, it's a, a very unique situation. I will say this. When I look at the Steelers, um, the Steelers on defense versus my time in Buffalo, the one thing that we would, or I guess that I would take away from it is, at least offensively, you have more competent players in terms of you have a Juju who's proven to be a thousand-yard receiver. You have James Conner who's proven to be a pro bowler. You had an offensive line that's elite. So you have all these other factors that go into it. Where we were in Buffalo, we didn't really have that type of star power, especially right. at the time with Stevie Johnson. Stevie Johnson blaming, and, blaming God for yeah, dropping football. But it, it was a lot of inconsistencies associated with him. And we dealt with injuries to Fred Jackson, injuries to C.J. Spiller. So we just didn't have the proven talent. So we were going to these games thinking not only could we not allow a field goal, but we really had to score Yeah, on defense. Right. Our kicking situation. Or at least give the offense the ball, you yeah. know, in the other team's red zone. But even our field goal situation was a little – uh, a little dicey. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which initially started my dislike for kickers. For kickers? Yeah. <laughs> but the one thing, when you look at the Steelers team, you say to yourself, okay, when we go in this game, you know we have to win it. We have to make sure that we we don't have the leeway to say, oh, man, I gave a touchdown. We'll be all right. We used to joke about that while we were – when I was here in Pittsburgh, we were like, yo, we got to stop spotting teams' points. Right. It was a it was a stage where like teams would go down, score in their opening possession, and then from then on we'll be fine. Right. But we're like, yo, you can't spot teams points. And then we went on a, a on a, a run where teams weren't scoring on their first drives anymore. And that's when we started making that shift towards being a really good defense. Sure. But for this defense in particular right now, their mindset has to be that, man. Like, hey, we know we don't have that leeway. We don't have the luxury we of gotta go above allowing and absolutely and it's not as if you're asking them to do something they can't do. And that was the beauty of it. Right, we've seen it. That was the beauty of it. In Buffalo, we we knew we had a, a top-notch defense, but we weren't able to create the splash turnovers. We just didn't have the personnel for that. We had really good players, but we didn't have a guy like Minka. The ball hawks. Right, we didn't have a guy like Joe Hay in that corner. We didn't have a guy DJ like Watt. Devin Bush. Right. I mean, we had Kiko Alonso who yeah. was balling out. And that was when he was in his prime. Yes, and and, and he was dope then. But outside of that, we weren't having the consistent splash. Like Mario Williams, he was a great player. Jerry, he was a great player. But Jerry was when we were more he, – he was still coming into a 10-sack guy. It wasn't like how TJ was proving year in and year out he could right. ball. Mario, his effort was going to be inconsistent. It wasn't like how Bud, well, you know, okay, he might not get the sack this game, but he's going to create pressure. He's going to be very active in the running. Might game. not show up on the stat sheet, right. but you'll see the impact with your eyes. Correct. Yeah. So those are the different things where we look at this personnel here. It's like, man, this secondary, like they have so many <laughs> guys who can create turnovers. I felt yeah. like I felt like in Buffalo, <clears throat> the way our defense was set up, all our talent was in our front seven. We had Marcel Darius, we had Kyle Williams, Mario Williams, Jerry Hughes. Kiko, and then at linebacker it was me, Kiko, and Nigel Bradham. We knew that we could get the job done, and Manny lost. We knew we could get the job done in there. But our secondary was going to be a little questionable at times. We had a young Nikel Roby. Uh, he wasn't even Roby Coleman. They was just Nikel Roby. Whereas here in Pittsburgh, you look at Minka. You look at Terrell Edmonds. You look at Steven Nelson. You look at Joe Hayden. All of those guys can make plays consistently. Like, you don't have that type of concern. It's not a lot of uncertainty in that group. And I think that's the biggest difference in why you're seeing this defense play like I was playing and why you are 
and if like I said, if I was out there, I'm a lot more confident yeah. in this unit because they can create splash. splash. Week in and week out is no can we do it if we're gonna do it. It's we like we gotta do it. It's like, no, we legit this should be our expectation. If we're not creating turnovers, multiple turnovers per game, this is not viewed as a good game. And I think that's the difference when you talk about this team right here because they have the type of players that that should be the expectation going forward. Raul makes a good point here too. <clears throat> Pardon me. And says uh, seven of the points against the Rams were by the defense as well. Minka's fumble return. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, you're uh, absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's been uh, – if you look at the last three games for the offense, then 16 points scored, seven points scored, and 10 points scored on their own. <sighs> but – Still winning, still in these games. We'll get a little something going from the offense here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Want to yeah. chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The bag. When we come back here, I'm going. You know, they say not to assume, but oh. I'm going to assume the defensive talk will continue because we're going to go inside the classroom hey, with Professor hey, hey. Modes when we return. One hour in the books, another hour to go. You are inside the Electric Factory. It's Euler and Motes. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Euler Remotes with you here inside the Electric Factory. We're broadcasting live, all the way live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we are hungry always this time of day. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, it's not a uh, Thursday. Good. That's good. It's not a Thursday, so we don't have our buddy Brian Backer to bring us snacks up here today. You hungry? That's good. <laughs> you know what? Uh, now that I'm thinking about this in real time, uh-huh. uh, we won't have a show Thursday. And this will be good to inform the power grid and the megawatts. Of oh, you're a, right. You're right. Educate you know, everybody. There's always, always interesting things happening schedule-wise. Because we did have this conversation. I, I didn't – you know, I was new to this. You were new to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually shocked. Uh, we won't have a show on Thursday. That's not what shocks me, all right? Mm. It's, it's Thanksgiving, company holiday. Uh, we got a Friday, too, Motsi. Yeah. We got a Friday. Now, now How you, about that? This is the thing. You said you weren't surprised about Thursday. I told you, man. I haven't had a Thanksgiving off since high school. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like I mean, I haven't had one off since college, but since that's still cra- school, that's still crazy man. for you. <laughs> so for me, it was kind of weird when, you know, last week we're having these conversations and you're like, "Yeah, man, uh we got to figure out what's to play on Friday." I'm like, well, wouldn't it be the same as Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday?" Yeah. You're like, "No." And I'm like, what? "Yeah." And literally same with Stewart's TV stuff. They're like, "Hey, man, uh you know, can you come in this day instead of that day? Because, you know, Thursday and Friday, we're not, I'm like, yo, it's just, what? Like, what am I missing here? What? Like, <laughs> because what? when I played college, you got bowl season, or for us, we have playoffs, so you're practicing during Thanksgiving. When you get to the NFL, I've had games on Thanksgiving. I've had games the day before, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Like, it does not matter. Like, Days on Games on Christmas Day. Yeah, so New Year's, New, New Year's, Year's Eve, it, it doesn't. The holidays are viewed differently amongst yeah. the athletes because they really are. they're not viewed the same. Like, imagine if the Steelers don't practice on Thursday and they go out there and play bad on Sunday. Right. And, and a report comes out that they didn't practice on Thanksgiving. Right. Or they didn't practice on Friday. People lose their mind. Mm-hmm. 
That's how it is, man. No, it, it, it's a very give and take. Uh, playing sports, working in sports, like we have our downtime, but there's also those times where mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's Thanksgiving, if it's Jesus' birthday, if it's your birthday. Right. No matter. You, you got to show up to work. Yeah. Oh, your, your son just was born. Okay, congratulations. If if you weren't yeah, there right. when she was just in labor. It does not matter. You can't say, hey, coach, I'm going to miss this next game because I want to <laughs> I want to take a week off to spend time with paternity my family. Leave. I need paternity leave. No, nah, no. Nah, Listen, you imagine if a year ago, who just had a baby? Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden had, he had his baby last year, right? You imagine if Joe took off three weeks for paternity leave during the season when he had that baby? People would have lost their mind. They would have absolutely went bonkers. Three weeks. What are you doing? Bring the kid to the game. Right. Come on. Right. <laughs> it's crazy, so, man. So no show Thursday. That means no backo. Mm-hmm. No show Friday. Man. So on Wednesday, does that mean we have to we have to have backo on on Wednesday and we have to do five star Friday on a Wednesday? Jeez, and get that paper on a Wednesday. Cool, and man. three question Thursday on a Wednesday. Cool. So what I'm saying and, is, and, don't and miss and the your, show on and Wednesday. Your, and your guarantee on Wednesday. What I'm, <laughs> What I'm saying is don't miss the show on Wednesday. We're not going to have a regular segment come Wednesday. It's going to be benchmark at the benchmark at the benchmark at the benchmark at the benchmark. At the benchmark. Holy it's just going to be all benchmark. Uh, but what, so it'll be a, a bit Whoever, of a different... Whoever's working the, the, the tables on that day, you're going to get your money's worth. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt. Get the, no, get the music right. No doubt, no here, doubt. The Here We Go song going for on Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot, bro. (laughs) Wow, I didn't even think. All right, we're going to have to do some some (laughs) post-production meeting here and figure out how to lay out the rest of the week. But we always make time on a Monday after a game day to go into the classroom, and let's do that now with a Professor Motes Monday. Alrighty, class. Shout out to the young man sitting across in the nice polo. Glad to see you here bright and early. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting front row today, Professor. I like it, man. Packed can I, house. Can I get some bonus points? Yes, you, you definitely get brownie points for the holidays. You know yeah. people don't show up to class during holidays. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely get some points. So with that being said, the first lesson we're going to talk about is the importance of being ready. And a couple of uh, examples I want to show today, class. Doug Hodges. Mm. I feel like he's the most obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding that he was not the starter going into this game. There was no guarantee that he was going to get reps during this game. No question that he was going to even get in. But when he did, once his number was called, what did he do? He went out there, threw a dagger. Nice 79-yard touchdown pass to young James Washington. You saw how that played out afterwards. He provided that spark. He was smart with the ball, threw the ball where it needed to go. Understood the protections, understood what, he, what the calls were and what they needed. That's showing you're being ready. Deion Kane signed yeah. on a short week, signed on Saturday, went out there and did his thing come Sunday, man. Was prepared, was ready, made the big catch, beautiful jump ball, who'll get it. Draw the pass interference late in the game. Two huge plays during the game. Deion Kane, great example of being ready. Kareth White. Wow. Who? They were like, who is this 40 guy? Who? Who is this number 40? Where did you find him? Looking like Gail Sayers out there. Is that Tony Dorsett? Who is this guy? Sean, he was ready. 
understanding that even though I came here on Saturday, I haven't been with the team for longer than a week. Not, you know, I haven't been there that long. But I'm preparing myself. I'm getting the playbook. I'm staying after. I'm doing the meetings. I'm doing everything it takes. So that way when my number is called, I can go out there and produce at a high level. And the last one, the last example, I'll be remiss if I didn't talk about Mr. Benny Snell. Mm -hmm. We saw Benny Snell football. And the thing that I liked most about this was not only did he show a mental preparedness, a mental readiness, but from a physical standpoint, he had well, over 20 carries, 98 yards. Got off to a slow start, but we know Benny is a guy who needs the carries to keep going, right? He gets himself going. It's the war of attrition. That's his game. But just seeing how from a cardio standpoint he was in there, he was good because not only was he playing offense, starting at running back, he was covering kicks. He had a big special teams tackle. That's the thing that I love because that's not often. You don't see these young guys always be – physical and I always display that that conditioning that readiness that you need from that standpoint but he did and this was all of him coming off of a knee injury so I was very impressed with him in that regard so that's the importance of being ready young man mm -hmm. now the second point okay the second point young man is finish or finishing the play hmm. you ask what do you mean by that mister what do you mean by that professor Moses? what do you mean by that professor James Washington is the first example I would like to pull we saw James Washington catch that beautiful pass by Duck Hodges. But that was just half the play, right? Because it would have been a nice, what, 30-yard game, you know? Set you up in near midfield. <clears throat> See what happens after that. Might get a first down, kick a field goal. But, no, what does he do? He finishes. And how does he do that? Take it to the house. Take it to the house. Trick daddy, slip and slide. It we don't beautiful. play. We take it to the house. See him turns on the burners. Good teammate, good friend of mine. BWM on the bad end of a highlight reel. You never want to be on that, but he happened to be it. You play the game long enough, it happens. I got some bad stuff on tape, too. It's okay. No, you don't. I, I don't. Not like that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being the case, you see him. Him and BWM going at it, going at it. He mushes BW. BW falls. Highlight reel. And see he was after that. And then he goes, man, and scores a touchdown. But it showed him finishing. It showed him taking a routine play and doing something special with it. All because of how he finished. He finished harder than that Bengals defense. In that situation, he finished better than B.W. Webb. He finished better than all the guys on that field. And that's ultimately why he was able to create that splash. But you know I'm a defensive guy, right? Yeah. You know I love that defense, right? Been waiting. And you know I can't go a whole segment without talking about defense, right? So it's only right that when I talk about finishing the play, I refer to the defense. And in particular, the young 5-5. Oh, I that knew this one was coming. Cat, Devin Bush. Now, everybody gets caught up in the moment of, oh, man, Devin, man, elite coverage guy. He balled out, man. This is what I'm talking about. Don't put Mark Barron out there. What are you talking about, Keith Butler? Let's be real about it, though. We saw the play. The pass was caught by Tyler Boyd. And if Tyler Boyd holds him for the ball, that's, what, a 40, 50-yard game? Mm -hmm. We're not having that conversation. Oh, yeah, Devin Bush. Yeah, no, Keith we're talking Mark about why was Devin Bush, why was a, a linebacker on Tyler Boyd? That's the conversation. But what does Devin do? to change that narrative. Finishes what the play. does Devin Bush do to change how you view him in coverage? Finishes the play. What does Devin Bush do to make you feel good about that young man being in coverage? Finish the play. First of all, finish the play. That's what he did. He continues to chase after Tyler, even though he knows the completion has been made, even though Tyler's taking a couple of steps. And he's ball aware. He hunts the ball, forces the fumble. And then Mr. Johnny on the spot. Mr. If the ball, if there's a ball on the ground or ball in the air, it belongs to me, Mr. Mika Fitzpatrick. 
he proceeds to do what he does and finishes the play by not only corralling the fumble, but getting yards after. Those examples right there of what finishing a play can do for you, about how finishing a play can change a narrative, about how finishing a play can ultimately get you out of a hostile environment, out of an environment that it might look like you should not make it out of here. Because their finish was better than the Bengals' finish, those two plays had a direct impact in terms of this team being victorious last Sunday. Now, my third and final point, young man. Yeah, is this the last? Is this the last lecture play, Professor? I'm trying to drive home for the Thanksgiving holiday. Yes, yes. I'm and, trying to beat traffic out of town. And, and I will give you bonus points for this one as well for Stanford in the election, man. <laughs> Special kind of guy. Finding ways to get the job done. Hmm. What do I mean by that? At one point in that game, Tyler Boyd had made two plays back to back. At one point in that game, it looked as if the Bengals were going to win this game seven to three. It looked as if. The Steelers' offense was going to be unable to move the ball in any way, shape, or form that resembled uh, NFL-caliber offense. <clears throat> but what did we see? We saw this defense come together. We saw this offense rally around them. Mm -hmm. We saw the special teams unit continue to play at a high level. We saw Boz continue to make kicks. Varsity. We saw Coach Tomlin display elite-level coaching to understand what decisions needed to be made. Regardless of what it would look like, regardless of how players might react to it, he knew what needed to be done. And he did this all on the road. He did this all on the road without Marquise Pouncey, without Juju Smith-Schuster. Matter of fact, happy belated birthday. He did this without James Conner. The Rosie list Nicks. goes on and on and on and on of how shorthanded this team was. But... They found a way to get the job done. And that is a true sign of a good team. That's the true sign of a playoff caliber team. Because I tell you all the time, you look at 2015, 2016, 2017. I didn't take it back 2014. We all, during those four years of the division championships we won, the playoff games we were in, the high seedings, the double-digit wins every year, we had three or four of these ugly wins like this. Some of these games where it's like, oh, I don't know how we're going to get out of this, but we're going to find a way. This is this reminded me of that. Just seeing this, just seeing how they responded in these situations, that reminded me of that year. Because sometimes it's not going to be pretty. But you got to find a way to get it done. If you're a playoff caliber team, if you're a team that believes that they can do something special, you find ways to win on the road, at home. Regardless of the optics, and that's what they did yesterday. So, with that being said, enjoy your Thanksgiving break, young man. Class dismissed. Stay ready. Finish the play. Get the job done. Period. Point blank. Period. Thanks, like professor. Girl. Thanks, professor. Anything. For enjoy you, your break. Man. Try some of that cranberry for me. Uh, we just had a funny little uh, cultural confusion happened here on the Twitter.com. Okay. So Gordon, who's our buddy, uh, Steelers Nation UK, Ooh. our buddy from across the pond, Gordon, yes. tweets, what's with the land of hope and glory? Now, I'm assuming <clears throat> he's referring to the sound bed there. Yes. Uh, because I Googled it, and the land of hope and glory looks to be a song that they play in the UK. Mm. Gordon, that sound that you just heard there, uh -oh. in the United States, it's not called land of hope and glory. We call it pomp. Pomp and circumstance. Yeah, and buddy. That's what you play when you're walking across the stage to get your diploma in high school. <laughs> or, or college. Or college. That's true. Say, give us some college. That's true. That's true. 
But we appreciate you on the UK. Well, I, pre- I just I saw that question and I was like, I oh, like he's got to been talking about the bed, and so I googled it. And I it like that. That's, see, we're international, man. We're, we're international, baby. Shout, shout out, shout yeah, out. Yeah, in the United States, we call that music pomp and circumstance, and yeah, that's what they play whenever you graduate and walk across the stage in your funny hat and your funny robe and get a piece yeah. of paper that you're never going to look at later. And you put like cool things on the top of your hat too, like yes. "Mom, I made it" or "This school sucks." Did you put anything on the top of yours? Uh, not collegiately. High school, I did, and when I got my master's, I did. Okay. Yeah, I did collegiately. Yeah. I had a I had a buddy who was an art major at WVU. Ooh, okay. And he made us all before. Gra- it's on my backpack right here. I can oh, show it to sweet. you when we're okay. done. It's the it's the pin that's on my backpack. Yeah, yeah. It's the couch burning pin. Oh wow! Okay. It's a couch that says that has the W V on yeah, it yeah. and it's on fire. So we all put those pins on that's top tight. of our the couch burning pins like on top that. of our. <laughs> on top I of like our, that. See the reason caps. the reason I didn't for my undergrad was because I had left uh, a year before or technically like a semester before. Gotcha. I was going to be finished. Gotcha. So literally, once my season ended, I left and went to the NFL. So when I came back to do my internship and my classroom requirement, finish up. I was with a totally different class. Right. So I was kind of like, right. uh, just right, get I, me in and out of here. Yeah, let me get done here. But when I got the master's, it had a lot more significance. I had the family with me. For sure. So I made sure I put on for them. Nice. I love it. I love it. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. When we come back, I want to look around the league a little bit. Some interesting developments, some big games How, yesterday. How'd your Eagles do? How'd your Cowboys do? <sighs> We'll talk about it (laughs) when we return inside the electric factory. Euler Remotes, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Maybe we should have fit in the best of the West today. Because we've already laid out how jam-packed the show Wednesday is going to be. I like it like this, man. Let's make this Wednesday just super jam-packed. It's going to be super jam-packed. We're going to be sleepwalking through the. Do the intro. Hey, welcome to. All right, guys. It's time for Best of the West. Oh, <laughs> time for three questions Thursday. Oh, all Here's right, Brian time my guarantee. Oh, we got Becco right here. Oh, guess what? We got. Hey, five star Friday. Five star Friday. Oh, and don't forget we we're going to do pick them. Get the paper. Hey, but don't forget the here we go song, and we got to do that twice. <laughs> Speaking of which, on Twitter, Don Juan pointed out uh, that that guy last week who yeah. called Tunch and Wolf and was blaming you and I for the loss because we came on Tunch and Wolf's Keep show. Keep that same sung energy. Sung the Here We Go song. Well, where's he at now? That's what Don Juan asks. Keep that same energy. You call back and say, hey, good job, guys. If you can, call to, com- if you can call to complain, you can call to say good job. Five and one. You know, since they since we started singing the song, five and one the Steelers are. That's simple. You you gonna criticize Coach Talman, give him his praise. You gonna criticize Bud Dupree, give him his praise. You gonna criticize the Here We Go song, give us our praise. Five and one, baby. I think it was Buddy Heald who said (coughs) that the Mm -hmm. apology better be just as loud as the disrespect was. Right? Yep. I'm still waiting. Yeah, buddy. On Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Uh, but Arthur Motes. Spoiler alert. Oh. And I guess to be fair, I gotta see what the I gotta see what the Ravens do tonight. You do. But uh, I am as high on the 49ers right now as I have been this season. Oh, what a performance yesterday. Yeah. What a performance. You you can't win on first and second down against this team. And then, then when they get in you to third and long, uh, they just pin their ears back and get after you. It's That defensive front is incredible. Uh, the secondary is better than I think any of us were giving them credit for. The run game is still lethal. Yeah. Uh, you saw Emmanuel Sanders making some plays. He's starting to look more comfortable in that offense. But you see, when they have Samuel, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, when they have 
Greg, uh, when they have George Kittle, mm-hmm. those two guys make that offense go. Without a doubt. Those two guys are the difference makers, man. 37 to 8, they beat up on the Packers. And that Mike Pettin defense, who have been playing extremely well this year. I mean, that wasn't even close. Nah, bro. I mean, that wasn't even close. Nah, bro. There were some big ones yesterday, Motsi. That certainly was maybe the uh, the soup du jour, the, the game of the day. Uh, but, you know, all right, let's get into it. You want to talk Cowboys-Patriots first? You want to talk Se- yeah, Seahawks-Eagles first? Well, at least Cowboys look more competent. Let's do that one. You know, that's, that, that, that Philly team. Whew. Defined competent. I mean, they both scored nine points. Yeah, I'm just saying, though. But it, <laughs> one was nine to 13, one was 17 to nine, and, and one felt a lot closer than the other. That's all I'm saying. It's true. What's up with your boy Wentz, man? Cool. He had the worst game of his career yesterday. I will not deny that. Is he good still? Is that is that still the narrative he's a good quarterback? I, like, I don't know how to evaluate him. Well, because you said that you would take him over the next 10 years over Dak. That's I think you I still, that. I think I still would. I think <sighs> I still tough. would. Um, you you want to know when the last time the an Eagles wide receiver scored a touchdown was? Probably when Nick Foles threw it, huh? Week six. Wow. I mean, we think we've got wide receiver issues here in Pittsburgh. Wow. Go across the Commonwealth to Philly. Week six was the last time they had a wide receiver score a touchdown. But, yeah, I, I think wow. that offense has just been so inept, even with – some of the weapons you think, right? Like Zach Ertz. We look at Zach Ertz. Hey, he's one of the best tight ends in the National yeah. Football League. You look Alshon at- Jeffrey's been dealing with some injuries, though. Yeah, we'll Deshaun Jackson that, has been out, too, with injuries yeah. as well, too. Because he, he's missed what? He's on IR now, but he, 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 he played, played the first two games of the and year. And that was it. And then he came back but only played, like, a snap right. or, a, or a series or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's been a, a big loss for them. And then Brandon Brooks, who we talked. Did you see this situation with him on Sunday? No, we have him. So you know who I'm talking about, Brandon Brooks. He was yes. the right guard uh-huh. who we discussed a few weeks ago. He got the largest contract yes. in, in for a guard in NFL history. So he dealt with, when he first came into the league, anxiety issues. And he's mm. been very open with this. He's a guy who struggles with mental health. Similar to like Kevin Love. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, he had two years ago with the Eagles a game where and, – and he admits too, like I should probably pull up his statement here and read it. But essentially he played the first snap of the game and then and then took himself out, out of the game because he couldn't stop throwing up. He couldn't stop vomiting. Wow. Um, and so he is a guy, again, that struggled with anxiety, and he missed games early in his career when he was with the Texans because he'd be in the locker room throwing up and just couldn't get it together. Uh, so he played the first series yesterday and then took himself out of the game, and here's the statement he put out. I'd like to address what happened yesterday. I woke up, did my typical routine of morning vomiting. It didn't go away like it normally does, but I figured it would calm down once I got to the stadium. It did a little bit, but I still felt exhausted, and the nausea came back. I tried to battle through it and went out for the first drive. The nausea and vomiting came back until I left the field and tried everything I could to get back from my teammates but just wasn't able to do it. Make no mistake, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed by this, nor what I go through daily. I've had this under control for a couple of years, and I had a setback yesterday. The only thing I'm upset about is that I wasn't there when my team needed me. Lastly, I appreciate the support of my coaches, teammates, and fans. It doesn't go unnoticed. Did you ever have a teammate who struggled with stuff like this like Brandon Brooks does? Not that I know of, man. Not to that level. Yeah, not to that level. That's tough. I mean, yeah, you see guys who mentally would feel some type of way in terms of throughout the week. They're hearing the negativity from fans. They're seeing the negativity from social media and things like that, and it would have a negative effect on them, Mm -hmm. borderline depression type. But the anxiety to that level I've never seen before. Yeah. Like, that's different, man. Because even with the depression, you're just kind of like, all right, find ways to keep them upbeat, keep them positive, right. reinforce them. But the anxiety, that's, you're having to physically, like, 
get that guy to calm down. Mm-hmm. And that can't always be easy. But I will say this, man. The the more you interact with people, maybe not teammates in particular, but I have interacted with people who do suffer from anxiety. And it, it is debilitating. It, it's, it's tough, man. You see them when they have one of those bouts. It's like, okay, this is legit. Right. We got to figure out how to calm this person down and things like that, man. Yeah, it's certainly a, a tough situation, but I like how open he is with it. Yeah. You know, because like I not, said, it's, it's nothing like he said, I'm not, I'm not ashamed yeah. of it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Rebecca chiming in here on Twitter. She's chirping me. Re- Rebecca? No, no, the no, lit no. one? Yeah, but I say put some respect on the lit one. She said, sorry, Wes, but how'd your boy Aaron Rodgers do? Yeah, yeah, talk about your boy Aaron Rodgers. Talk about your boy. <laughs> he was not good yesterday. Huh, not good. <laughs> he, was, he was not good. <laughs> I, Thank you, thank you, the lit one, for addressing that. Appreciate you. You know what's crazy to me right now is that the Cowboys, a team that everybody talks about, like they're, they're probably going to win the division and go to the playoffs. I mean, who, who's their the comp- same, same record as the Steelers right now? That's fine. Who's who's Philly's competition? I mean, Dallas competition. They're definitely going to win that division. Oh yeah, they're going to win that division. I mean, I mean, they've got a game up on the Eagles, but the Eagles, Eagles suck. Eagles are not good. They are not good. Skins suck. Yeah, Giants suck. <laughs> not good. <laughs> period. Not good. And big shout out to the Jets, huh? Doing the Steelers a favor, taking down the Raiders. You laughed at me when I said I've still got hope in Sam Darnold, but did you see Sam Darnold ball out yesterday? Well, that's their what third one in a row now, or a second one in a row? I think it's their third win in the last four. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. They've won last four. four yes. They've won four games now yes. quietly. Absolutely. My boy Sam Darnold. Yeah. Would you take him over Dak Prescott for the next ten years? I need to see a larger sample size. <laughs> but this is the only thing that I don't like. I know I know a lot of people are always like, yeah, man, you know, we need this team to lose. And then it just clutches. I, right. I don't you like. You like the tunnel vision. I do because. That's why I got to. Ch- that's the yes. biggest thing with your media chops that I got to change. Because now it's going to. We're just going to keep getting this thing muddied up, muddied up. And now you're going to look up and it's going to be 10 teams compete for two spots. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. No, you're not. I'm not. Uh-uh. Not at all. I, I want a nice, clear, easy path of, okay, we need to win these next four, and we're in. We got that spot locked in. Not control this. your own destiny. Right. I love the control one. I don't like the, oh, we're going to need this person to lose that. We got the tiebreaker on them. You better hope Buffalo keeps winning. That's all I'm saying, man. Keep it simple. Because right now you're looking at the Colts or Texans or the Redskins. I mean, not the Redskins. I meant the Raiders. That's Raiders. what I meant, Raiders. Yeah. But then also – the Browns, it's going to be interesting seeing how they're coming out because now they didn't win three in a row. Mm-hmm. Jets team, let's see. What, 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 how many wins are sitting at right now? Four and seven. Four and seven. So, I mean, they're in the mix too. Mathematically, they're not <laughs> completely out of it. And, and, and they're saying to themselves, oh, we play the Steelers too. Right, so that gives us a chance to get a tiebreaker yeah, over those guys if we can beat them. Yeah. Oh, man. That's could you, all I'm could saying, you imagine, Could you imagine the scenes? Hey. You like the tunnel vision. I love the tunnel vision. Control your own destiny. Although, can I just tell you, I think – Titans came up with a win yesterday. Controlling your own destiny is a little bit of an oxymoron. I don't think so, man. Because by definition, destiny is something out of your control. No, no, man. say controlling your destiny. You make your own destiny, man. Fortune favors the bull. (laughs) Make your own destiny. I watched Final Destination. What is this? Star Wars? What is this? Star Wars? Come on, man. Yeah, how about your bills, huh? You know, just 17 a 17-point victory over the just, Broncos. Just a casual eight-piece now, you know. Frank Gore, first ballot Hall of Famer or he'll just, get a, in. just a Hall of Famer? He'll get it. Don't, I don't it know don't if matter. he'll be first ballot, but he's going to get in. It really don't matter how you get in as long as you get in, Is right? he just like one of the low-key best NFL players of this generation? Like, I feel like he doesn't get the respect <sighs> that he deserves. Well, I think it's because he doesn't have a style that's flashy. His style, though, has lasted for how long? And I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. So when you look at his numbers – the amount of time he's played compared to the modern the modern era running back. Right. 
It's like him and Adrian Peterson are correct. such outliers in that regard. Right, and that's the biggest reason why Frank Gore is in that conversation. But we can agree that Adrian Peterson has been more dynamic. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. And has Adrian produced, Peterson's first battle. Right, it has produced way more of the splash, the wild plays. Frank, man, Frank, it don't matter if it's year one or year 21. He looks the exact same. <laughs> I'm going to get four yards. It's going to look like a tackle for a loss. Four it's going to be four yards. And they're going to say, hey, second and six. Like, that's just his game. And it's frustrating to play against because you're like, yo, you are not <laughs> doing anything this special. You're not running me over. You're not juking me. But you find a way to just get small enough to get those yards. Went on first down, went on second down. I, I, when I think of Frank Gore, I'm like, yo, you're the definition of like a wing T offense. Oh, like, my goodness, yes. From an optic standpoint, it yes. does not look pretty. It do, Nothing looks glamorous. You're looking up like, that's how are ran, they doing that's this? That's what we ran in high school was the wing <laughs> T offense. It's the truth, though. It's like nothing he does makes you say, wow. But when you look up at the end of the day, you're like, wow, that was a great day for him. That was a really good day. You look up how long he's been in the league. You look at how many numbers, like – Wow, this dude is there. It really is. He just continued. He's got the third most rushing yards in National Football League history. Just think about that. That's crazy. Out of all the backs we've seen. It's crazy. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, that alone right there should get, yeah. you, should get you in the Hall of He'll Fame. He'll get in. Uh, we mentioned Adrian Peterson there. How about Dwayne Haskins in the selfie at the end of that game? You ever seen anything like that before? Dwayne Haskins missing the last not, play of the not game. Not from a rookie. The victory kneel down. They had to send Case Keenum in to take the knee in victory formation because Dwayne Haskins was taking a selfie with a fan. And the fact that he got out there that he was taking it's one thing if you like, I took the selfie, oh, man, I'm missing this play. You kind of play it off like, Coach, I had to go to the bathroom. Or I was yeah. tying my shoe. Or sorry, Coach, I couldn't find my helmet. Yeah, you know? yeah, you come up with a better excuse than, hey, I was over here legit taking a selfie. That's <laughs> that, that's not a good look, bro. Not at all. Uh, could you imagine some the teams, like if he was playing for Mike Tom, a Mike Tomlin coach team or if not he was playing chance. for a Bill Belichick coach team not a chance. or a Pete Carroll coach team? Right. Yeah, <laughs> or you Or John Gruden was his head yeah. coach. Not, not, yeah, not that's, that's not a good look. Definitely <laughs> well, not a good look, We'd be man. having a rough week of practice this Absolutely. Week. That's for sure. Uh, last one here before we go to break. Tonight. Well, no, we didn't get on your Eagles, man. We, I thought we talked about that nah, game. Nah, you no, know, nah. I told you that they haven't had a wide receiver catch a touchdown pass since week that. six. I don't care we about, about that. Brandon Brooks. Uh, and- hey, hey, I don't care about all that. What I want to know is this, man. What? Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. Say it now. Carson Wentz. What? Say it now. Sam, <laughs> Sam Darnold. Say it. How far down the list can I keep going? Say it. Sam Darnold. <laughs> Joe you Burrow? See it. Joe, did you see that banner up in, I did uh, up see in that. Cincinnati I did. last night? I did see that. Uh, what did it say? Like, move on to Joe? We're yeah. ready to move on to Joe or something? Come on, man. Come on, man. Just, just agree that Dak is the better quarterback of the two. Right now, 100%. Thank you. 100%. That's all I wanted to hear. 100%. That's all I wanted to hear. I appreciate that. I'll give you that. I appreciate you. <laughs> I still don't think you Buffalo Bills are going anywhere, though. Oh, uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. Guaranteed. Well, yeah, they are. So that's going somewhere. Yeah, I, I would. I'm with you. I think it's guaranteed that they're going to the play. Even though, if you look, their their schedule these next like four or five weeks is really hard. They have to win two games. Yeah, you're right. Period. You're right. Two games. Two out of five. Because don't they? They have like the Cowboys, the Patriots, uh-huh. the Ravens, and the Steelers. And uh, the oh yeah, because there's five games in there. And yeah. it's the Jets at the end. And the Jets. Yeah. That's a that's a tough schedule. But you're right. I mean, they're eight and three. Mm-hmm. Eight and three. They got the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, so that should be interesting. And that's in Dallas. Yeah, that's right. I that's forgot. Gonna that's be, on Thursday. Yes. That's going to be the best game on, on yeah, Thursday. Yeah, and that's going to be their first, like, legit big-time, prime-time national game yeah. like that. Yeah, So, But Speaking it's a very of, favorable matchup for them, though. If you look at the Cowboys. I think so, too. Stop the run. Yeah. 
And, and this Bills defense we talked about, that's they they have an elite level defense up there in Buffalo. That's gonna be a tough one for you on Thursday. Your 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 boys in the Buffalo Bills against your boy Dak. I mean, what are you gonna do? Well, see, it's bigger than Dak, man. I tell you, when I was growing up, I was a Cowboys fan. I know. We've yeah, talked, yeah. We've talked about this before. Absolutely. So, I always tune in for that one. <laughs> no, that'll be the best game on Thursday. I'm just going to show me get to enjoy Thanksgiving, watching these I games know. without having to, like, game I'm prep excited. or I'm think I'm going to be texting ball. you about live bets as yeah, the games man. are going on. Oh, you know my degenerate self going to get into the game and uh, get a little action. I ain't going to stay on the sideline the whole time. Last one for you here tonight, Baltimore at the Rams Ooh. on Monday Night Football. It should be a good game. Uh, can the Rams slow down? The Rams are 6-4. and four. If they lose this right. game in the NFC the way it's, it's looking tough. right the now. The NFC is way tougher right six, now than the Because they're NFC. not going to win that division. No question. So 6-5, and five, you're really a foot in the grave when it comes to the wild card yes. race right now. When you consider that the uh, Packers and Vikings are both 8-3, and three, one mm-hmm. of those teams is going to get a wild card. Do the Rams have any hope tonight, or you think the Lamar show rolls on? I mean – I would think the Rams do, but my biggest uh, concern isn't can the Rams slow down the Ravens' offense. It's can Ty Gurley, can Jared Goff, and those guys on offense do something. Can they look competent? Because they haven't been the past couple of weeks. They've been struggling mightily in that department. And that's the thing that I want to see. I don't know if they have enough to even score on this Ravens defense where we know Lamar is going to have some success. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest difference right now for me. I'm with you, too. It'll be an interesting one, though. They'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll do better than your, uh, your Eagles, though, so it's all good. Just stop it. Hey, shout out to your boy Tom Brady. He got another one. How about my Mountaineers? They lost by seven. That was cool. But Jam- guess who had them plus seven and a half, baby? Hey, oh, it's yeah. cool, man. You know who got oh, yeah. the, the number two overall seed in the FCS playoffs for the first round bye? Hey, if you ain't first, you're last. All right. J-M-U Don't talk to me about number jokes. two. Don't talk to me about number two. If you ain't first, you're last. Well, it's, whoa, well. What does that say? What you guys? Uh, it's, a re- oh. it's a rebuilding year. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is a rebuilding year for us. We got a new head coach. <laughs> All right, settle down. Hey. We had six guys <laughs> taken in the NFL draft last year. Okay, we got, what, how many guys? Five guys? Five guys total in the league right now from last year's team. From last year's team, I, then we yeah. have six. Well, one's on a practice squad if you want to be technical. Oh, okay. So I just counted all in the league. We got, like, yeah. I think it's three practice okay. squad and another three active. We'll get into this later. Yeah. When we come back here, we're going to get into your tweets. We got a ton of questions Ooh, on Twitter we. today. Yes, we do. We will get to those like we always do in the last segment when we return. If you want to get yours in, you got about 15 more minutes here. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. On the Twitter.com. And also, we got to talk about what some Cleveland fans were doing at their tailgate oh, yesterday. A little pinata. We'll get into all that when we return. It's Euler Remotes inside the Electric Factory. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I mean, it's not very often that you hear Cleveland and class in the same sentence. This is true. But, Arthur Motes, what did you think about the uh, the pinata fest that they appeared to have going on at the tailgates? For those of you that missed it, there was a, uh, a group of Browns fans, a, a rather large gathering, but just a group, right? Should point yeah. out that we tend to do that with these things, right, where it can be just, you know, a few dozen people, and we like to make it seem like it was, you know, all half a million Cleveland residents that were there. This is very true. <laughs> but – Nonetheless, we talk about optics here and the optics of a bunch of people at a tailgate standing around with uh, a person blindfolded swinging a helmet, a mm. Steelers helmet nonetheless, because, hey, at least one thing we'll give them credit <laughs> for is attention to detail. Hey, man, follow the facts, baby. <laughs> uh, swinging a Steelers helmet at a Mason Rudolph pinata. What did you think about that, Mozi? 
thought it was an interesting uh, choice in terms of how to tailgate. You know, I'm out there on the tailgating scene. You and, are. You know, I've never seen the, the helmet to pinata tailgate. But ultimately, man, I think that's something that, you know, it's a Cleveland thing. They, they're trying to find any way they can to stay in the conversation, stay relevant, poke a little bit of fun because they're so used to being the butt of everyone's jokes that now they feel like, oh, we got an opportunity to, you know. No longer be fun. the division yeah. doormat. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we know Cleveland's going to Cleveland. And those bills are going to come due this week. That's the thing that I love about Ooh. it. Yeah, so keep you that got, same energy, baby. You got receipts? Oh, keep that same energy, baby, come Sunday. That's the thing that I love. That's the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah, bring that same energy. Try doing that yeah. at the tailgate here in Pittsburgh. Huh? Come on, hey, man, Red Live 5A, baby. <laughs> oh, man, and there's going to be some scenes yeah. on the North Shore on Sunday morning and afternoon, that's for Ooh, sure. Without a doubt. Now, our buddy Bishop asks, what happens to Kane and White when Juju and Connor come back? Obviously, Juju and Connor are elite-level talents. They've shown that they can produce at this level. So with that being the case, if you're a cane, if you're a white, you're understanding that you're on borrowed time. You understand that, hey, I have to try to make as much of an impression as I can make so that way I can stick when those guys do come back. And if you're Deion Kane, a guy that you might be eyeing is Johnny Holton. Right. You say, hey, he's a guy that specializes a deep threat and special teamer. So I make sure that I put hot stuff on tape in that role. If you are Kane, then you're looking at the other guys in that running back room saying, okay, this is what you do. All right, let me make sure that I'm up to par in that regard in terms of me carrying the ball and my special teams work. Those are the, the ways that those yeah. two guys handle that until they're able to emerge and have larger roles. Just continue to stack good reps, yes, right, and, and let the, the rest fall where it may. Jason chimes in here uh, talking about Mason Ruta. Jason on Mason here. Hey, I like it. Um, saying he, he knows he can play better than he has. It's in his head. He really looks like he's beating himself. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it, man. It's a guy that started Thursday, and with all the stuff on field and off field, it seems like it's it's been a, a problem these last two weeks. Absolutely. He's a guy that needs to get that confidence back up. He's a guy that needs to have a, a chance to just reflect Get back to just playing ball. Get back to being the guy that you were at Oklahoma State, the guy that got you here when you were throwing dimes to James White and, I mean, James Washington and all these other players. Get back to being that guy. Right now, I feel like he's just trying to do too much. He's trying to be somebody that he's not. And sometimes, man, just having that chance to just sit back on the bench, man, to give you that opportunity. It's true. It really is. Sometimes just a reset, you know, it works for your computer. You know, it could work for your quarterback, too. You just yeah. do a little reset. Like I said, I speak from experience, man. Personally, I've had that happen. And as much as I was frustrated in the moment, as much as I was embarrassed in the moment, as much sure. as I hated it, I would come in, I'd be mad with the coach. It helped me in the long run because I was able to reset. I was able to flush away what I was trying to do and the person I was trying to play like that I wasn't me because I was trying to do what, hey, that's what they're expecting me to do. That's what that's how I'm supposed to look instead of me just playing my game and being who I am. It's like the line, I really like this line for these type of situations. Sometimes it can be hard to see the forest through the trees. Yes. Right? And I, I think that can be the case for Mason right now. You just touched on it. All those things that come with it, uh, the frustration, the embarrassment, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it can be hard to kind of take a step back and, and mm -hmm. try and reset. But hopefully Mason will get that opportunity. And I know – so you know, uh, you know Mike Tomlin and Randy Feetner a little bit better than I do. Yeah, yeah, I might have known him a couple times. You Did know. you ask him just if they tried unplugging Mason and plugging him back in? Just wondering. Just, just a well, thought. Well, see, works for my computer. I, I was gonna say like when I used to play, you know, Sega or in Nintendo, the game cards you got to take it all, blow it, 
<laughs> and then you put it back in. Just try that. That's it. You might have a little dust on it. Just shake it off a little bit, man. Take take the DVD out the Blu-ray, wipe the back of it off, and then put it back Do in. Do the. That's it. You know, wipe it off yeah. with, the, with the like the Ray-Ban sunglass right. cloth. That, that's you what know? you need, man. Well, Every once in a while. Good to go. Yeah. You, oh, you know, like on the routers, they got the reset button on yeah, the back. Hit the reset hit button. Hit the reset button. Hey, on your iPhone, you know, you can just let me hold hold the, the, the sound and the power and just, ah, there we go, reset. Slick. All right, turn it back on. The little Apple sound comes up. Ah, works fine. Rocking and rolling. That's it, man. Da- hit the reset button on. Uh, David asks about Mike Tomlin winning coach of the year if we thought that that was realistic. I do think it's realistic. But they got to make the playoffs. They have to make the yeah. playoffs first. And I think – with that being the case, they have to, from an offensive standpoint, have better optics. Mm. Because right now, yes, you're giving them a ton of credit in terms of their performance they're doing from a defensive standpoint. But from an offensive standpoint, sometimes I feel like it is counterproductive to Coach Tomlin being Coach of the Year conversation. It benefits the defense well mm-hmm. in terms of making the defense look so much more yeah. better because of how bad the offense is. But as the head coach, you have to find ways to make that offense look a little bit more competent or consistent on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Mark wonders how a coaching staff balances during the week the time to go out and sign and acquire, you know, and evaluate yeah. and acquire the players that they did like White, like Kane, as opposed to time spent with the actual game plan put into place. Yeah, so for the coaches, Mike Tomlin, uh, Feekner, Jerry O, all those guys, they don't do any of the scouting. Right. The scouting, it's, the it's, a, it's a whole pro scout department, and they'll have a list of guys. They study these guys year-round. They know their strengths, their weaknesses, and their job is to come in and provide the coaching staff with valuable information so they can make a, a responsible decision in terms of Kevin Colbert and who they should bring in or not. Once the players get here, now the coaches are like, okay, cool. This is what we're going to do. We're going to get them prepared. The conversations between Coach Tomlin and Kevin Colbert will have more of that in terms of, hey, I need another receiver. Hey, I need a guy. Right. What's the list look like? Right. Scouts like, hey, we got these so guys They available. got the list already on deck, right. and it's a much more and, and, streamlined right. process. Right. That's that conversation. It's not Coach Tomlin is going to watch film on Deion Kane right. and say, hey, man, let me see how good All this right, kid well, let me is. Let me watch Terrell Pryor. Right, right. So it's not that type of uh, situation. Uh, Francis, what is something you'd recommend I do before the game this Sunday? I'll be at my first game this year. Motsi, tell him where to be. Hey, man, you should go check out the Terrible Tailgate. Yes, the Terrible Tailgate, located in Red Lab 5A, right on the corner of Mascaraski, where I believe that's how you say it, man. It's a great opportunity to hang with a ton of Steeler fans as they prepare for the game, man. Food, drinks, it's a great atmosphere. It's always a great time. And sometimes special and, uh, you know, special people out there, too. Our new buddy Gregory. We'll wrap up here with him from the remember our buddy from the Pacific Time yeah, friend. Yeah, West Side. Who catches our podcast at Steelers Blitz, wherever you find your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh he wants to know um You're not gonna tell him a zebra like zebra? He, he was he was asking uh your thoughts on Mason being distracted and uh gives us credit for the Steelers song being five and one. And what's your opinion on Mason being distracted and if you've seen improvement with the offensive line? Yeah, man, he definitely could have been distracted. When you think about everything that's transpired over the past 10 days, it's a lot for him to digest. He's a young player on top of that, and he had to prepare to go into a hostile environment and went on the road. That's a lot of variables that were holding him back. In terms of the offensive line and their improvement, they looked better in the second half in run blocking. They still have been struggling a little bit in the pass block, and we saw with uh, Big Al giving us some pressure. We saw some interior pressure as well. So 
those things, they still got to get cleaned up, and they got a nice test coming into Cleveland. No doubt. Yeah, coming with Cleveland. No so. doubt. Even Sands, Miles Garrett, still yes. some guys in that front Very that can get after you. Front, uh, Julian asked us here, too, about Al Villanueva. You touched on him a little bit there. Uh, said he seems to be playing with skates on. Yeah, it hasn't been the best couple of weeks for Big Al, but hopefully the offensive line will get things moving in the right direction here as we approach the final quarter of the season. BPR also <laughs> laughing here. Uh, the helmet that the Browns used in the tailgate had the Steelers logo on both sides. Typical Cleveland fans not knowing what they're doing. <laughs> Good one there from BPR. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody who chimed in on Twitter. We love you guys. The power, the megawatts, the power grid. We love uh, you guys chiming in as always, and we do appreciate it. Motsi, it was fun. I will talk always. to you on Wednesday. Jam-packed show on Wednesday. No show Can't tomorrow. Wait. We'll have the Mike Tomlin press conference here at noon. Thanks to our buddy Jacob for producing back at HQ. We'll talk the ins on Wednesday. Same time, same place, as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.